did you find it in like a matrix of other ancient things made of paper from the time have before a, the have, internet? I have entire shelves of things made of paper here. See, that's called the and matrix. leather too. That's, that's called in paleolithic paleontology terms that's called a, a matrix so when you find a fossil oh. in matrix that's what you're so that that whatever that shelf of matrix that you have there um that you pulled out your thesauri does that mean i'm going to be able to jump up in the air and grab bullets and dodge them and things like that yeah because you were in the matrix obviously mm. Once more unto the breach, dear friends. Else fill the wall up with our English dead. A good morning, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and welcome to another exciting, that might be promissory, sort of fun, still kind of, an interesting, well, I'm really flailing here. This is going to be the personal wealth coach. Oh, that's 100% truthful. We're going to do our best to be exciting and interesting, but if you've ever listened to us before, you know that we're very trying. Um, how hard we're trying is uh, irrelevant. We are very trying. Uh, this is the Personal Wealth Coach, and on the air with, uh, this is Jake McClure, and on the air with me I have... Jeff McClure. We, we don't have a visual cue for me to read his lips and time my um, coordination of our names. So rather than subject you to us being out of sync, out of bath, I don't know. We, uh, we'll just say it separately. Uh, this is uh, Veterans Day. Yes, it is. And on the air with me, I have a veteran. I would like to take this moment to thank you. For, I represent that. For uh, putting yourself in harm's way for a long time so that I could live the fat, lazy life that I do. And anybody that knows me knows how true that is. Or not. or Well, the fat part. But the lazy, maybe. You know, I'm at least not so lazy. But like relaxed life. The life free of missiles coming from the sky and people marching across my yard. Things like that. Uh, I appreciate it. More than I can say, really. I'm being kind of joking about it. But having seen what you put yourself through, your body and uh, mind, I appreciate you quite a lot. Thank you for your service. And thank all of you veterans that are listening as well. Uh, you have created the ability for us to be ambivalent, ambivalent about military stuff by being so good at military stuff. Uh, we wouldn't have the ability to wish for peace and tranquility and to put flowers into rifle barrels if we didn't have really big rifle barrels pointing back the other way. And I appreciate it very much. Thank you all. Um, now, on to disclosures. The uh, Personal Wealth Coach is not just the name of this program. It's also the name of an SEC-registered investment advisory firm, and that's not a coincidence because the two guys speaking on the air with you are the two principals at that firm. Uh, this radio program predates the firm by quite a bit. That's where the firm's name came from. Elder Baldy Jeff here came up with that in a brainstorm session, and it stuck. So the Personal Wealth Coach is an SEC-registered investment advisory, and it's also this program. Two different things, though. We can't give fiduciary investment advice on the air because privacy, because we don't know you all. Well, maybe we do. Maybe there's nobody listening and we know no one. <laughs> uh, but any way you look at it, it's, it's not appropriate to give personalized investment advice in a public setting. 
it also is strange in that we can't give investment advice because we don't know you all, so we got to give education. Even though we're signed up to be fiduciaries, our role here is as teachers, which is a different sort of fiduciary role of trying to impart knowledge rather than tell you what to do specifically. Um, just because the firm's registered with the SEC does not think does not mean that the SEC has anointed us or has given us some special place to sit on the table with Odin in Valhalla or any other uh, abstract religious references or regulatory references for that matter. They're just the regulatory organization. And it's kind of like when you show your Texas driver's license or New York driver's license, it doesn't mean that the state of Texas or New York has somehow said that you are free from all possible wrongdoing. Nope, that's just who gave the license. So slightly different, but you get the analogy. Uh, let's see here. Uh, what else do we? Oh, we don't pay for this radio program. I know that's weird. It's Saturday morning and there's paid programming all over Saturday morning. Our program predates that craze back when AM radio actually was profitable without having canned audiences clapping and laughing and such. Um, we Well, maybe they did that too. Uh, how, how Orwellian of us. Um, Thinking back to that, there was canned laughter, wasn't there? So, no, we're not paying for this program. We do we do buy advertisements on the station, uh, but uh, at, we're actually talking to them because they haven't updated our prices in way, way long. So we may wind up paying more for our advertisements in the future. We'll see. Uh, this is a normal negotiation. And it kind of lets you know that we're paying for our advertisement time. We're not paying for this program. And we haven't for 26 years. It's been free to them, free to us. Um, two hours plus prep time once a week for 26 years. If you do the math on that, it's a lot. Um, and I'm not going to attempt it because that'd be, a, I'll do the math to see how much time I would waste to figure out how much time I wasted. That seems like a waste of time to me. Um, you have a disclosure to give. Well, I do. In fact, the information we present on this educational radio program has been obtained from sources we deem to be reliable, but we make no claim or warranty as to the accuracy or completeness of said information. I like how you switched that up this week. I did. I changed it. A claim for guarantee, which is kind of close, but different, has some good meaning. It's, it's very nice. Too bad the thesaurus went extinct. <sighs> well, I've still got several here. I think those are paleontological finds that you have dusted out of your... Um, are they... But are they... Is a group of them called a th thesauri? It might be. Or, or a thesauri. Did you find it in like a matrix of other ancient things made of paper from the time I have before a, I the have, internet? I have entire shelves of things made of paper here. See, that's called the and matrix. And leather, too. That's, that's called in paleontology paleontology terms that's called a, a matrix so when you find a fossil oh. in matrix that's what you're so that that whatever that shelf of matrix that you have there um that you pulled out your thesauri does that mean i'm going to be able to jump up in the air and grab bullets and dodge them and things like that yeah because you were in the matrix obviously mm -hmm. yeah well clear yeah and we can zoom around you in a circle while you slowly do things mm, it's cool it's amazing it's supposed to imply that you're going fast that's why it's so slow just that like just like the market makes perfectly good sense because well i know i'm going very fast because of rotation around no 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 
where are you going fast? Because 2023 just started the other day. Yeah. Uh-huh. And we're we're closing in on the end of it. It's it's mid-November and I'm thinking it maybe ought to be February or March. Well, uh, I'll which means time is definitely speeding up. I'll complete that for you. Um okay. 2023 just started the other day and it's just going to end the other other day. Okay. Yeah. So as you, what as happened? you know the story about how people perceive time. Um, I used to know it, but I forgot. But if you're five years old, one year is 20% of your life. Ah, I see where you're going with that. There's, and so yeah. I remember one of my earlier memories is of a time when a summer, when I got out of school, I was in an early elementary school age, mm-hmm. the summer lasted forever. Yeah. It just seemed to go on and on and on and on. And now, well, I don't know, in Texas, with it this hot, it seems to drag on a bit too. Right. Well, there, there's some neuroscience behind that as well. And if you would like your time to last longer, there is real evidence on what you can do. It's not being facetious. Learn okay. something new, something you have not done before. Mm-hmm. As a child at age five, everything is new. Do you remember? I mean, this is a great example of this. You're driving to a place for the first time. You're checking the directions. You're making sure you don't miss any exits. You're, it seems like it takes as long as it takes to get there. I know that seems kind of weird. After sure. you've already done it three times, how long does it take to drive there? It's like I don't even I, remember taking the exits. It's just it happened because it's not also, new anymore. In, in correlation with that, I also noticed that it takes me a lot longer to get someplace I haven't been before than it does to get home. I get home at about half the time. Right. Well, time. I mean, see, that's that's it, is that uh, you are actually found a way to break physics. You are actually warping. No, just your perception. It's, it's, it's improbable. Infinitely. I want to talk Uh-oh. about that today. Dude. We just lost our connection to KTIM. I am going to call back in. And Elder Baldy Jeff, but is about to tell us what happened in the market this week. All right. Well, the market did its usual weekly thing of behaving in the short term irrationally, and I presume in the long term rationally. Um, last week through Wednesday, November 8th, the S&P 500 stock index, which I want to talk about more about in, in a little bit, did eight consecutive days of rises, which is if it had gone one more, it would have broke it would have had the longest series of consecutive up days since two thousand four. But on Thursday, it lost its nerve. And why did it lose its nerve? Well can can I break in a second? Sure. How how many days in a row is the record since two thousand four? Nine. Nine days of up in a row. So that's just mm-hmm. a, just more than than almost two weeks. Okay. Almost two full weeks. We haven't had that happen in consecutive days, more than in almost ten years. You know, wait, we think of it. Two thousand four. Yeah, that, that's two, 19, twenty years, almost twenty years, almost yeah. twenty years. Yes, so you're, yeah. you're showing your age a little by saying, "Oh, it's only I ten am. years ago." Uh, but yeah, I know time time flies when you're having fun, right? And if you're Kermit, um, time time's, time's fun, fun when you're having flies. Yeah, time's fun when you're having flies. I got that. Yeah. Okay, back to you, sir. Well, um, and so on. What happened on is Wednesday the. Federal Reserve had its meeting, and then there was a news conference in the afternoon, and the chairman of the Federal Reserve came out and said, we did nothing, and we did it with a great deal of enthusiasm. And That's uh, not really what he said. He he really said, we're going to continue doing what we're doing without changing it. Right. Well, we did nothing. Essentially the same thing. Right. Go ahead. He refers to it as hitting pause. Well, if you're a dog, that's bad, but for the rest of us, pause means you stopped everything. And uh, But then he went on to say, but we're certainly open to raising rates in the future if inflation doesn't continue to abate. 
And so the market, as it opened on Wednesday, headed south because that's really bad because the Fed might raise rates like they didn't know that. Right. I mean, it was such a surprise. He's only been saying that now forever. Right. And he just um, didn't raise rates. Right. And they, they're like, so, oh, he didn't raise rates. And he says he might not. But that, that he said might. You know, okay. So go ahead. So then out comes, that was Federal Reserve says the economy, by the way, in the midst of that, he said the economy is booming along and maybe going a little too fast, but we're going to take some time and wait and see what these higher rates are doing. Uh, and we noticed that the long-term bonds rates are going up pretty much on their own, not entirely. The Fed is kind of nursing them along. And that's going to slow the economy too. So we're going to wait and see for a while. And we think we probably, we'll just, we'll just wait and see, but we might have to raise rates again in the future. So the market went down because they might have to raise rates in the future. Then the next day, the market it fell on Thursday, and then on Friday, out comes the news that consumer confidence is unusually low. Get that? Consumer confidence is unusually low because consumers expect to have high inflation over the next several years. They expect inflation to go up, despite the fact that inflation has very clearly been declining all year. Consumers, apparently, the ones who answered the phone at least, apparently just now woke up to the fact that we've had a lot of inflation, and so the consumer confidence drops <laughs> to a 12-year low. Well, I mean, I've got, we talked about this a little bit last week and we've well, got more conversation about it this week about perceived confidence and having to change that survey's wording because things are different after a pandemic in your confidence. And of course, you know, the, the market then shot up because that was bad news for the economy and it caused the economists all over to say, well, maybe we will have a recession, which caused the market to shoot up. Uh, we wrote in the newsletter like a SpaceX rocket ship. It went up, it made up all the losses that it had and wound up at the end of the week, the S&P 500 up 1.13%, which doesn't sound like very much unless you multiply it times 52, uh, because it's 52 weeks in the year and it's up 1.13% for one week. And, and, then, and then suddenly it sounds like a lot. It's right. not like the 5% it went up week before last. The key though, and it closed at 44.15.24. And I think there's a key here. When the market dropped to a certain point, now the, the pundits are giving the consumer confidence rating credit for kicking the market back up. I don't think so. The reason I say that is if you look at how consumers behave by where they're spending their money and how they're spending their money on, and then you read the consumer confidence surveys, they're either all schizophrenics or there's something out of whack because consumer confidence is often reported as low. And then during the month, it's reported as low. You look back and realize that consumers went out and put money on revolving credit to buy durable goods that are going to take several years to pay off at a record high. Right. So they think the, the, the economy is sliding downhill and I'm probably going to lose my job. So I'm going to go out and obligate myself to spend money over the next several years. No, there's something wrong there. I, I think personally that the surveys and for that matter, the polls are not anywhere near as reliable as they once were. And I think it has a lot to do with cell phones. Well, it has anyway. To, yeah, it has to do. We can talk about that in a minute, too. But yeah, cell phones and the kind of confidence that we have now, this happens anytime you have a massive shift in attitude in a country. You can see it very clearly in China right now. You can see it very clearly in the United States right now. How we feel about things has changed. This happens throughout history. It's usually it takes place over a 10-year period instead of in a two-year period. You have 30 years of essentially the same feeling about things being um, modulated by small events. Then something like 
a, a wall comes down somewhere and your confidence changes because one of the major factors to how you felt is no longer there. The same thing happened during the pandemic and it happened in a lot of different ways in a lot of different places, but it's measurable. And we're still asking the same questions we asked before there was a pandemic, which means we got to change the questions that we're asking. The way we feel about things, I don't know about you, but I certainly feel different than I did five years ago about what's going on in the world. And that's speaking from somebody who just happens to have COVID at the moment. So <clears throat> yesterday and the day before were rather bad, today not so much. So uh, hopefully that's good and it continues on an upward trajectory. But you were right in the middle of the market and I had to throw yep. in stuff about moods that's, and behavior. and Throwing in is like okay. That. Throwing up throwing up is awkward. Yes. Uh, it's all about prepositions. The um, So the S&P, let's talk about the S&P 500 for just a minute. Okay. Um, it closed above the 4,400 level, which is psychologically important. And for the people who read market tea leaves, otherwise known as technicians, it's that's a critical level and suggests that we're headed for higher levels in the future now. Is, are those assumptions right? I don't know. But it's now up 15% year to date, the S&P 500. It's up over 23% from October 22. It's up over 97% since March of 2020 and 23% from this time last year. I kind of get the feeling that that equates to a bull market, but I probably would be in a minority with that. Uh, anyway. But that they, probably uh, means you're right when it comes to the market when you're in a minority. Almost always means you're right unless you're in a weird minority, which is wrong. and You don't know about that until later. So you're either right or you're wrong until you're proven by history. I So, so what we'll you're see. saying is if you graphed all the outliers, they'd make a bell curve of their own. Yeah, 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 yeah. And okay. uh, and there's a lot of, uh, if, especially when you're talking about uh, politics, a lot of the outliers are grafting. So Yeah, that's true. Anyway, we watch another index, and I'm going to explain for just a, in just a second why we watch this. It's called CRSP U.S. Mid-Cap Value Index. For the week, it fell. 1.38% to 2247.24 and is down nearly 4% this year. Now, why? There's several reasons to watch that. One, we like that asset class. But there's another one. If you, there was a, fortunately, because it's really hard to get this data, there was an article in uh, The Economist that said, don't watch the S&P 500, watch the S&P 493. There is no index S&P 493, although I wish there was so I could watch it. If you take the seven largest companies out of the S&P 500, now they equate to roughly 25 or 30 percent of the total value of 500, the 500 stock index. 503. Is, There's 503. 500, 503 stock index. And you pulled seven out. I guess uh, that would change the S&P 500 to minus seven plus well, We're three. not calling it. S&P 503 right now. So we're okay. still going to well, round it. And it's a very loose rounding. But That would make it the 499 then. Okay. Right. okay. Anyway, the, the point I wanted to make is if you if those, far, if those seven companies were not in the S&P 500, the S&P 500, as of the date of this article being published, which was last week, uh, and actually they had a date before that but, but for the data, but they didn't say what it was. The S&P 500's performance would be very, very similar to the U.S. mid-cap value index if you took just seven stocks, the seven largest stocks out of it. Uh, and you would recognize the names of all of them. It's basically all the high-tech uh, stocks, N NVIDIA and Apple and Microsoft and, I could, and Meta. You, you know, you can guess at the other ones. And if you took those stocks out of the S&P 500, the S&P 500 would be flat to down. 
this year. And unless you're invested in those seven stocks and you've got a stock portfolio, odds are it's not up, but you shouldn't feel bad because not only do those seven stocks, uh, have they risen the most over the last couple of years? When the market does fall, they fall the most. Or have fallen and the most. They historically, they have fallen the most and probably will in the future. And we've certainly seen this happen before. But uh, it's an important thing to recognize that the indices don't necessarily reveal what's going on in the main part of the market unless you are a very aggressive large cap growth stock investor. If you're a very aggressive large crap, large crap, that's not correct, large <laughs> cap growth <laughs> stock investor. It's funny because it's poop. Uh, and you're willing to recognize. Now, let me, let me explain why. Well, why don't we just jump on those? Because, I mean, obviously they go up. It's because we have some memory. Had you been invested in the S&P 500 stock index, which also during that time period had a my, very few stocks that were driving the index up in late 1999 and into 2000. Had you been invested just in the S&P 500, and, and let's just say, and matter of fact, I looked this up, the oldest S&P 500 index fund, and you threw a lump sum in at the end of 2000, it would have been 13 years if we take inflation into account before you broke even. It would have been 10 years before you broke even. Between seven to 10 years, you would have broken even for a few minutes, not counting inflation. So yeah, these guys go up like a SpaceX rocket ship, but they tend to come down like the second stage, not the first stage. Just, um, just as a side note, the first stage is recovered. The second one, they recover if they can after it falls in the ocean a long ways away and rather mm -hmm. quickly. I got to watch one. I, I got to watch a second stage decelerating over West Texas as it was getting ready to plunge into the Atlantic Ocean, having made one loop around the Earth already. And it was a fireball. It was pretty interesting. Um, anyway, so that's what's happened in the stock market. The, the market, if you, the S&P 500 is up. The mainstream market is at a break-even for the year, but it's up from where it was in October of last year, so it's still up. So now, let's go back to U.S. Treasury 10-year note as the week progressed along, and the uh, the Fed did not raise interest rates, and consumer confidence came in with a negative. Um, the 10-year note finished the week with a 4.61% yield. It pulled back from its brush two weeks ago with 5%, so that's a pretty good drop. It still leaves the Treasury yield curve very, very inverted, meaning that short-term rates are much higher than long-term rates. The 90-day T-bill at the end of the week this week was yielding 5.53%, which I still found astonishing. Having been in this business now for over 40 years, I think 41 years I've been in this business now, um, a T-bill at 5% is pretty impressive. Uh, T-bill at 5.5%. Uh, 3% is astonishing. West Texas crude oil prices also went down, and even as the yields on the on the Treasury 10-year note went down, uh, dropped to $77.34. Again, that's kind of good. And by the way, there's a very good article. I'll transition to you in just a second, but I wanted to end this with a little comment. Um, there's, there's a good article out there. Uh, and I'll remember in a minute which news media source it came from. Um, yeah, here it is. And let me give you credit. Bloomberg had a very good article that points out that the perceptions of future inflation are perfectly inverted when compared with consumer confidence ratings. In other words, the, the, when they go out and look for consumer confidence, one of the questions they ask is, they ask, how confident are you about your job in the future? How confident are you the, the 
the economy will run well into the future. And they also ask, what do you expect? What do you, what do you expect inflation to be? And apparently a majority of the respondents said they expect, they expect inflation to take off and rise tremendously into the near future, which is, of course, the reverse of what we've been seeing in month to month. And, it, and, and the reason is that the newspapers and everything else do not report month to month inflation. You have to dig down into the report. Um, in the details of the government reports to see them. And we report them in our newsletter and we talk about the fact that inflation has been between 1.2 and 2.4% month to month now for about six months. And that is where pretty much the Fed wants it to be, which is probably why they didn't raise rates this time. Uh, but the, the consumer confidence is going the other way. And the reason is that consumers perceive that believe for some reason that inflation will rise tremendously in the next six months, which isn't true, but that's all right. And that was the markets. All right. Uh, do you have anything you want to get to before we start on? As, as a matter of fact, I do. Uh, there's something coming up this next week that the last time around we got very concerned about and we haven't paid much attention to, but we're actually at greater risk this time than last time. I bet you know what it is too. Uh, this week? Mm-hmm. This uh, coming week. Well, there's a weekend coming. That puts us at great risk. We're in this coming middle. week, oh. after the weekend. I, Monday? Monday is terrifying. Go ahead and tell me what's going on. November 17th, what happens? <gasps> November 17th. The government shuts down. And we this don't is have, an interesting point. Yeah, if we don't have... There a, are 26 censure motions before the House. And the way the House of Representatives does business, a censure motion takes precedence over most anything else. Oh, I, I've got a headline here that should resolve all of our concerns. This is from okay. the NPR a day ago. Congress has no clear plan to avoid a government shutdown in one. They have no oh, plan. Oh, wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. That, that, that doesn't make me feel. Um, what are the 12 U.S. Where are the 12 U.S. government funding bills to avert shutdown? Oh, we don't. We don't have them. We don't know. We don't have them. They're not. So this is the and deal is, that was made at the beginning of 2023 with the hardcore conservatives that we needed to have 12 budget bills passed and they were presented and they weren't liked by the people who they were presented to. So we don't have them, which may mean that even if we have a big bill that people won't vote for it because it's not the 12 bills that they wanted. So Several relatively conservative Republican congressmen have been quoted in the Wall Street Journal as saying there are no bills in the works to keep the government running past the 17th, and there are a lot of votes against anything. Oh, oh, here's one. NBC News headline, House Republicans don't want a government shutdown. Wait, well, wait a minute. Aren't they the ones that are offering no plan to prevent it and the ones in charge? Well, no. There's a difference. What you've got here is the you ask any Congress. Well, there are some there's, there is there are about 20 members of the House of Representatives who are Republicans who do want a government shutdown. But there's a problem, and that is the the Speaker of the House has no experience leading a group of uh, members of Congress to do things and affecting the compromises and the backdoor deals that get bills passed. The bills that have passed the Senate to fund the government and to keep things going and to do everything that's been done this year have been passed with both Democrat and Republican votes. Yeah. Well, the the Speaker of the House is a little bit more polarized. The Speaker of the House has stated very clearly he will in no way ask for the Democrats to vote in concert with anybody in on the Republican side and they don't have a big enough majority to pass anything. And I say a big enough majority, the 20 or so people who want the government to shut down. 
They're generally new Congress, members of Congress, who are generally, according to their speeches, and I'm not judging them one way or the other, their general approach to according to the speeches, if the whole thing shuts down, we'll spend a lot less money. Yeah. So that's a problem. I'm going to actually not tongue-in-cheek talking about solutions and so on, tell you why it's not something that we're dreading at the same level as we were just a couple of months ago. Because this government shutdown is a government shutdown. And if you're getting paid in the armed services or by Homeland Security or at the VA, well, the VA is going to keep paying you. But a lot of the other places won't give you a paycheck. Why aren't we upset as th- about this? Well, we are. We're upset about it. Don't get, get us wrong. Everybody who's employed by the government should actually get paid, and they should be allowed to continue to do their jobs. This isn't as bad as when we didn't raise the debt ceiling, and we came right near the brink of defaulting on our debt. Just because the government shuts down doesn't mean that we don't pay interest, doesn't mean that we don't pay Social Security. Social Security is safe in this particular arrangement because we had room after the debt ceiling and that big debate would have said we couldn't pay Social Security. We couldn't pay our long-term bonds, short-term bills and the notes in the middle. We couldn't pay them because we didn't have the money because we hadn't raised the debt ceiling because so we couldn't borrow money. We only had tax revenue. And we wound up using all kinds of extraordinary measures. We took money from Peter to pay Paul all over the place. Well, right now, after that debt ceiling thing was fixed, the U.S. Treasury went on a buying or or borrowing binge and got about a trillion dollars of money back in. So the coffers are full. That means that Social Security still gets paid. It means the VA will get paid. It means a lot of the things that we consider crucial will stay going. If you consider your paycheck crucial, it's not the same level of crucial to the government, evidently, as the rest of the stuff. So it's bad, but not as bad as it would have been just a little while ago. It's, it's in levels of cruciality. Yes. It's still bad. You want to get a toe lopped off or a foot. <laughs> the toe is better than the foot, but I, nobody's going to say, yay, I get to have a toe lopped off. Well, it's something that to be concerned about. Uh, Moody's changed the outlook for the for debt issued by the federal government from positive to negative this week. Yeah, we, we don't have our act together at all. Congress really needs to do it. They don't, their long-term goals are different than our long-term goals. For them, long-term is less than two years because that's re-election. They don't get re-elected if they make good long-term decisions for the country. And that's a problem. And we got to get focused back on that. Um, We got a lot of other good stuff. In the meantime, make sure that you have good savings in the bank, that you're living within your means. We say this in good times and in bad, and it's really good times right now. Um, Don't live off of your credit cards. Please, um, buy low, sell high. Don't get involved in a land war in Asia. All those things are good. Well, generally speaking, the market was up for the week, um, in various amounts and in various indices. Uh, it's moving along very nicely. The economy is humming along nicely. And um, the rest of the situation is that uh, inflation continues to be down. The Federal Reserve did not raise interest rates, but they said they might raise interest rates. The only negative for the week really was the consumer uh, confidence level was reported lower than usual, but these are the same people who just went out and bought a whole bunch of long-term stuff on borrowed money. So I really don't believe that they think the economy is about to tank. No. 
So that's the quick wrap up on my side of it. And we're about out of time. Yep. Uh, if you would like to talk to us off the air, we actually do give fiduciary customized investment advice and portfolio management that we can't do on the air. Off the air, uh, we do this for people of relatively high net worth. If you would like to call us uh, locally, we have voicemail, but uh, during the week, it's real live people, no phone trees. You can reach us locally at 254-947-1111 or toll free 1-800-914-7526. That's 800-914-PLAN. doesn't mean the same as it used to back when everybody had a phone on the wall, but you know, in your pocket. It's not any different to do local or long distance. Amazing. And if you're a millennial and younger listening, you're like, oh, what an old fogey. All right. So if you would like to go to our webpage, it's thepersonalwealthcoach.com or tpwc.com where you can uh, read our newsletter, sign up for the newsletter. It comes out every Friday and I think it's fantastic. You can listen to our radio program going back lots of years. You can also go and find our podcast anywhere podcasts are found. Email us directly at jeff at tpwc.com and jake at tpwc.com.